0: Do you know a family looking to enrich their children's Jewish learning? Some families cannot send their children to private Jewish day school. Many Jewish parents today homeschool, but still need a solution that offers their children serious Jewish learning. Kita is the online Jewish classroom for families. Built for Jewish families looking for serious Jewish learning at an affordable price with Kita. Middle school-aged children receive three Khan Academy-style lessons each week and also participate in a weekly Zoom lesson. Students in Kita this year are learning Chumash Midbar, Mishnah Sukkah, and Gemara Brachot, and we're soon starting a new course in Navish Shmuel Aleph. Students can join some of the courses, or all of them. Now is a great time to try our Kita. Don't wait for the fall and lose another half-year of critical Torah skills and learning. To learn more about how Kitah can help your children grow and thrive in Jewish learning, visit kitah.org. That's K-I-T-A-H dot O-R-G. everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of RZ Weekly, our weekly, well, almost we're trying to make a weekly podcast about religious Zionism, orthodoxy and stuff going on in Israel. Um, I'm here with Haram Mali Brassi. Haram Adit how are you? Baruch Hashem, how are you? Baruch Hashem, do you speak? I, maybe I just can't hear you. Can you. I will speak louder. How's that? There right? we go. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Um, Molly Broski has a bio. If you want to know what it is, look it up. And oh, we're here great. with Harab, <laughs> Johnny <That's perfect>. Solomon. <laughs> Harab Johnny.
1: Ditto. Hi, he's here. Okay. Hi, how you uh, doing?
0: And he yeah, also has a long bio, and you can look it up. I am Ruben Spolter. I also do things. Uh, we just decided we were going to do our bios this week. Maybe we'll do them next week. Today we decided after after weeks, literally months, and I think appropriately so that we waited. Uh, we wanted to discuss the the controversy, the the never-ending controversy surrounding Harav uh, Harav, Harav Melamed, Rabbi Liadzor Melamed, and the Penine Halacha, which has it's like a it's like an ever-changing controversy, and um, and in there's so what's interesting is Rabbi represents a, he, he's done a lot of different things to a lot of different in a lot of different areas. Harab Melamed is the author of the world famous set called *Pnine Halacha*, which is um, so popular in Israel that it sold something like a million books, which is just an insane amount of books for a Jewish set, even a Jewish book, to have sold, and has become, I would say, now the standard halachic work for the religious Zionist community. Would you agree with that, Mali? The standard I think work. Think so?
2: Yeah. I think right. it's the kind of thing, it's like which book are seminary girls buying to read and learn halacha from? It's always Preni right. Halacha.
0: What was it? Point? when In our day, it was like Shmirat Shabbat Yilchata, I think. Wasn't it when yeah. we, you know, like,
2: or, they were. I you think know? they were learning...
0: I don't remember. What else was there?
2: I mean, yeah, the uh, you know, Brewer, But right? I just remember there's like this book that everybody was reading at the time. I forgot if it was about a specific area of halachic Al- a- Al- 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 book. Yeah, I don't remember what, I don't remember what it was. That. Anyway, but, yeah.
1: But John, I, yes. I, I just, you know, I just quickly say something. When there's been this furor about Rav Malamud, there was a few days, you may recall, where people were encouraged to share their sets of Minay mm-hmm. Alacha on their shelves. What's interesting, and and uh, it's related to this point, is as it happens, I've got an up-to-date set, so I could share. Look, I have all the books because kind of I'm crazy about buying books. But even people who do turn to Rav Malamed for many of their psakim, they didn't have whole sets. Now I'm not trying to him shame anybody, but what? But where, with Shmirat Shabbat Kirchata, people, you know, people generally had either both volumes or the one, particularly about um, the the lota says, well, you buy the mishra, but it's a whole set. Pninelacha is the set, as you say, that many religious designers have. But it's important to note, it's sold by topic, right? And. Not everybody necessarily has all the volumes in the but series. I, but
0: which I think was, well, we, we people bought are I like, bought, I a bunch a while ago and then like he keeps putting out more. So like it's right, I, think, run, I think run, also run.
2: like if you're talking about like seminary girls, it's like, ooh, I want to learn about topic X. So I'm going to buy the Pnei Halacha on X. Some people right. are doing what Johnny's saying, which is I want that whole set. But I think so it's the fact that he divides it note. into topic also makes it more accessible.
0: It's worthwhile to know that Rav Melamed wrote it really as part of his column in Besheva. He's been writing, he writes the Halacha column mm-hmm. in the free newspaper called Besheva for years. It's part of the Arutz Sheva network. It was really interesting because Rav Melamed was like, he was like the poster child for the Chardal world. It's, yeah. hard, it's like, it's impossible to overstate just how mainstream he was considered. Like, he like unbelievably mainstream. Um, so he wrote this column. And one of the things I also love about P'nini Halacha is, You don't have to buy the books. It's available in its entirety for free on the Internet. So people are not aware of that. I think that's like he was it was so forward thinking. You know, I think one of the things that made him so popular is his
1: willingness to give away his books for free because 100% I, yeah. I wrote about this a while ago and it's important to note all the translations that currently exist are also available for free on the site it's amazing I mean it's just an amazing it's an amazing amazing thing
0: like it's I think it's the model of how you have to think about like publishing work you give it away for free and then people will want it they want to have access to it they want to buy it that's just that's just the way mm-hmm. to do it although I'm not in the I'm sure all the booksellers
2: out there will be very upset at me for saying that but, uh, uh, you know... No, I think you're right. I'm, I think it's a model. You give away part and then people want to take the whole thing. No, but he didn't you give, give away part. To... No, he I understand in Rabbi case. I'm just saying, you're saying booksellers are mad at you, but those booksellers need to get with the program. I think you're right.
0: Right. I but
1: mean... To the I don't know if the are all available online. You know, the extra kind of in-depth be'in bit. Really? All I'd all be shocked if they were to well,
0: Whatever. So that, that's what... Rabbi Laman is the standard bearer for for um, for um, halachic. You know writing and pipsak halacha, and he was considered pretty much authoritative like he would say some things that people found somewhat questionable but generally there wasn't any outcry you know and one of his big that i love is he was the first really that i'm aware of johnny will tell me if not to really permit taking medicine for almost anything on shabbat like he said like he really came out and said like if you don't feel well the problem of of like grinding in today's <laughs> modern awesome. medicine is not as important as taking a pill and I was like, wow, that's guts. It was like something that was really, I'm not sure what
2: modern postache that took that on before that's he That's very Rav Malamed, which I think we'll get to in, this, in the course of this the, conversation.
1: There were, but nobody as well known as him. That's the point. Nobody there, is, with right? his but broad his shoulders is to just say accepted.
2: it straight out, to say it like it is, to say mm-hmm. like, you know, this is what I think and I'm just going to say it, which again, we'll talk See, about it. But my it.
0: point is, nobody came out with a, with a Pashkavil against him for allowing you for to that. take a Tylenol right. on Shabbat. That's, mm-hmm. what's, that's important. To know. Okay, so what happened uh, about a year ago, and we've talked about it. Rabbi Lamed uh, publicly engaged in an interaction with a Reform female rabbi from France on in the in the Makor Rishon V'Ida. It was an online V'Ida, actually. Okay, and that uh, got people pretty upset. And then this year, he published his he published his work on Hilchot Nida. So now we're going to talk in the second half of this discussion about sort of the why people get so, why we think, or perhaps trying to understand why why people are so up in arms about Rahm that they're writing literally booklets against him and protests and petitions and duplicitous petitions as it were. But what we wanted to do in the first part of this discussion was to try to understand what, there, there is a legitimate debate here. So what is the nature of the legitimate debate about the halakhic issue specifically when it comes to Pninea halachan, it probably applies to many other, when it comes to like hilchot nida, we're not going to it's give that a many kashrus, right, examples. Ruby?
2: If I understand what? correctly, it's not just nida, there was a couple of, a couple of very, um, let's say, unique piskei also in the kashras one. That's my, that was my understanding. Uh, Johnny, is that correct?
0: Well, he had, I don't know if he poskined, Yeah. Uh, but did he paskind based on that or just he said things that got people upset?
1: The, well, that's the, well. I'd say both. Okay, so because we're going to turn when to Johnny. You're to give, cones, Johnny, give us a sense you're of in like many ways.
0: the, the bruaah started recently, specifically around the, the Nida book that I'm aware of. But Johnny, correct me if I'm wrong. Take take it away.
1: Well, first and foremost, whenever you have a posek who is industrious in their writings and you're trying to address and they're sorry and they're trying to address issues that are emerging from the street and in our time they're likely to reach rulings that some of their colleagues don't agree with this has happened throughout history that means even the most uh, impressive most uh, regarded of poskim have ruled on issues that their colleagues have said i just think you're wrong so within that context the question isn't do some people disagree with some of the rulings of Ram lamed there always will be and there will be the same with Psakim from the tzitz aliezer Misha feinstein and ravad yosef the question is what's led uh, a, a huge number of people to feel the need not just to say i disagree with this psak or or write shavas to demonstrate a different approach but instead to gather together and basically create petitions, write public letters, and write country scene, make, making clear that this is totally unacceptable, that he's really gone beyond the line. Now, there have been a number of essays about particular psakim. Wait, wait Johnny, as, I want to separate. Rome. I just want to stop you for a second.
0: The petitions,
1: yep. I believe,
0: are part of a political agenda, right? They, they are, they're generated and motivated by a, specific, uh, by a specific group of people with a specific agenda, that's one thing, but I'm less interested in why people have to write positions. I'm much more interested in the what we call the Mahuti uh, dispute, the debate about his about his psak. So l- let's assume that they were not petitions. Let's assume that they were not. You know what I'm saying? Let's assume that they were writing shuvah like they should be, and not and not not besmirching him in Israel Hayom. What I'd lo- I'd like to talk focus first about is the the. Like, what is the nature of the argument? Why do these people, they do have problems, and why do so many people have a problem with what he's writing? What is their problem? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that not every RZ Weekly listener is like up to date on all the nuances. I certainly am not. So what is their problem, and why is it such a problem for them?
1: Okay, so first and foremost, there are some particular psakim. You mentioned the volume published on Tarat HaMishpacha, that some particular rabbanim or, in, or organizations have taken issue with, but you mention one should distinguish between petitions and an halachic pushback. Well, I have in my hand uh, a booklet titled "Masot HaPsikah B'Israel," which is a a country that's basically opposing Rav. Wait, can you pick that up for a second? Um, yeah, you know oh, that's I'm the one, right? right. No, that's the one that was put out by Chotam,
2: oh. right? Right. That would I did not find that. I did not find um, that, that, goes that to be into the political pile. That's I a polemic. Say.
1: That's a political pit piece. One, one second, one second. <laughs> I, 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 you, well, you're already telling me it is, but obviously, I spent time running through. Uh, whatever's written here. And what we have is a Leket Ma Marim, which is a collection of letters and essays al Shmirat about the importance of maintaining the tradition of halachic decision-making. Meaning, the title of this booklet is as if to say, a Rav can have their own individual ruling on particular issues, but Rav Malamed, he is... He's taken the tradition of halachic decision-making to a place that we are deeply uncomfortable with. Now, I want to say one thing about uh, basically all those essays and letters found therein, and then list four areas, meta areas, where people seem to be criticising Rav Malamed, and we can discuss them further. First and foremost, it's important to note that notwithstanding the title of this booklet, pretty much every uh, contributor though apparently claiming to discuss Psikabi Soel, makes reference to that online meeting with the rabba first as if to say that was unacceptable now they claim it as to be part of an uh the fact that he is not um towing the line in terms of how we do things and we meaning uh a Rabbanim and another Rabbanim in Israel and it's just not appropriate and it legitimizes non-orthodoxy and that was made clear time after time after time into this country. country. but beyond this i want to mention as a right, say it's so my four point areas Johnny, my point
0: is that booklet had nothing to do with the top, with the title that point that was it was what? it was that, that which that is problem a part of the that. problem of the tactics of the people writing those booklets they claimed to say one thing and then they represented a political decision which is i think disgusting but that's just me I, that's why I want to talk about the issue. What, what is, like there are okay, other people I'm getting,
1: I'm getting to the i am getting to the issue, and three of the four things I'm gonna say, or at least actually two of the four things I'm gonna say are from that booklet and two one from another essay one from another essay. So what are the meta issues the way I see it and the way others seem to be writing it? So uh, I I want to mention actually a post written by Rabbi Ellie Fisher, um, mm-hmm. which I think I might have shared with yeah, you. I shared it with and he place. and he explains oh, that's right, you shared it with me. He <laughs> explains something which is um important which is there is a derech psika of rav malamed which differs from some poskim i wouldn't say all but some which is there are some poskim who deduce from the details certain broader principles and uh, the way uh Eli fisher describes things and, and i'm not trying to overly simplify his post but he says that rav malamed oftentimes begins uh, his dark psika with an understanding with an out with a perspective on the principles at play or his understanding of the principles at play and by framing Rav Malamad's approach to others that perhaps may well make some people say hang on a minute aren't we supposed to reach conclusions based on shall we say the halachic evidence rather than begin with a certain subjective perspective on Psaq. Now, just to declare my cards on the table, I've been teaching a class for the past couple of years on subjectivity and halachic decision-making. So I think there's considerable subjectivity across the board. But uh, some would argue that Rabbi Melamed is too explicit in this regard.
0: That's point number one. You mean there is subjectivity, point- but they're not supposed to tell you? Uh,
1: yeah basically um, which i'm not i'm not, that i'm not belittling th- that might be true that might you
0: know there might be there's something to that
1: point number two uh mentioned by some of the contributors to this and in other articles is that there are occasions where, where rav malamed takes a position which is generally regarded in halachic writing as being bedievet meaning it's something which is allowed but not recommended and in seems to uh, depict it as if this is fine and it's perhaps even ideal and they feel that that's not correct that's not appropriate and that's maybe not even intellectually honest point number three and this was alluded to in our opening lines is
0: wait, wait Jody, i just want to step on se- that for a second
1: is so, that because could that be because Pininehalakha,
0: while it's a halachic work it doesn't speak in halachic language meaning the language of bidi ever and lichachila are only makes sense to you if you're, if you're in that halachic world. you should do that. Bidiya, you should do that. But people who are reading a book, trying to understand what Judaism wants of them, if you're not in that world, you, you don't want to write in that way because it, it detracts from the readability and the understandability I, I, I of the would, work.
1: So I would say that would be true, that would be fair if he never uses that language, but he uses that language a lot. Uh-huh. Okay. What they're arguing is, in certain cases, he doesn't draw that distinction and that is, uh, I, I wouldn't use the word disingenuous, but it's being used by uh, his critics as being disingenuous and misrepresenting how people should be uh, because there seems to be an agenda, as they see it, of Rabbi Melamed being overly lenient because they think that he thinks that's what everybody wants, but they don't think that's what everybody should be doing.
0: Number, three, point number there, Are you three,
1: on three? I'm sorry to interrupt you. Three, you're on three. three. Point number three. Right. So point number one is principle to psak rather than psak to principle. Point number two is uh, confusing or conflating or misrepresenting Bediyevat as chida. Point number three, that there are certain rulings that, uh, and it's kind of similar to point number two, that may well be more appropriate to be shared privately, which legitimately so, but we don't generally write about such things either in terms of content or because they are very particular to individual circumstances. And it's not the done thing, it's not part of the masora to put in print uh, certain rulings that have been maintained until now as being oral rulings. And that applies to a whole gamut of things, including areas relating to tarat ha And point number four, which is a point made by um, Rav Shmuel Ariel, is that he argues that especially, as we mentioned, the most recent volume is Tarat mishpacha but this is now like volume 25 or something, I haven't actually counted them, but there's been a certain um, path that you see from the earlier volumes to the later volumes where rather than Rabbi Malamed presenting the positions of the great halachists of, of prior generations, It's now more and more his opinion as if this is the opinions of earlier generations. And what uh, Shmuel Ariel basically says is, we don't mind. You want to write a book and say it's just your opinion, fine. But what you're doing is you're using your penine halacha to push your own halachic agendas. And because people have placed their trust in you from the earlier volumes, in the more uh, uh, later volumes, you're, you're dressing up uh, much more subjective, much more individual, much more lenient opinions as if they're normative, and, and you yourself are being disingenuous as a POSEC, um, and uh, we don't like what you're doing. So Wait, Johnny, from, what do you think of that, of that? From the reading of all those what, essays, what, What's, what's your response
0: to that number four? Do you think that's an accurate, um, an accurate accusation? Do you think it's true, just from your experience in Pinhalaka?
1: I, th- I think. Listen, uh, you know, one would have to survey every line and cross-check. But I've I learnt all the volumes. I think in some of the earlier volumes. I kind of figured volumes,
0: you had. So, what's your impression? No, I haven't. I have not. But <laughs> I,
1: I think in, I, I think in some of the earlier volumes, he's also very clear in expressing what he thinks, and he says, "This is what he thinks." The claim is that he he stopped using that language rather rather than saying, "This is my opinion." It's if he omits that phrase and makes readers think that this is, shall we say, the consensus opinion, and this is Norma, This is normative people. halakha. Right, that's the so impression
0: when I would read an earlier volume, I'd do you think say... That, did you get that impression from the last one? You think that's true?
2: Or normative approach. I mean, it's uh, not just normative halakh psaq, but like one of the arguments in the, in the Shmuel Eliyahu is in Halken, yeah. normative ekronot, as you said, normative principles, normative lens through which to view certain areas of halacha, which therefore leads to psaq. I think that, whatever. Right. When I speak about it, I'll, I'll relate to okay. it, I think let's that's, to, that's let's, Ruby's question. Let, let, yeah, let's turn
0: yeah. to Molly. Molly, I wanted to pick on number three of Johnny's number four, which is the issue of public versus private in psaq. And I wonder if you could respond to that. Do you agree or think that, as it, like Rabbal Abed apparently feels, we live in the age of the internet, everything is out there, everybody sees everything, the age of going to your rab and getting a personal psaac is over because as soon as somebody does that, they share it with their friends on their WhatsApp groups and there's no such thing as private anymore. So we might as well just put it all out there. Whereas the, there's another side that says no, individuals have questions and their questions should be answered specifically. And you know if Rabbanim had a tradition of leniency,
2: they were allowed to save it for that which yeah. side do you come down on okay so that's a great question so for i just i do want to just say a few things just to preface which is a i think it's very important as you're saying you're, you keep saying you want to leave it for the second point but i think it's important before we talk about this to say that i think we all agree that the majority of the attack on Rav melamed is coming from within a specific world i think we could even name it the Khardal world um and it's basically, I think you, you you kind of alluded to this, it's driving them crazy because he was from their world and now he's saying things that are so not aligned hashkavically with who they are. And I think that's really a lot of the, and, and there might be also other politics involved, which you can talk about, which I won't talk about right now. But... Like, that's one attack on Rav Malamed, right? And so when people say Rav is being attacked and they see people defending Rav Malamed, it's against that, right? And then you're saying, let's also be clear that there actually is an interesting halachic discussion to be had by people who are serious a- about the way that Rav Malamed passed in halacha, which is what I think Johnny just articulated. So, right? right? Molly, so, I just want yeah.
0: to point out that the reason I didn't want to talk about this first was because I consider us serious people. And I first exactly. wanted to have a serious I conversation I would, and r- then I have the... You. And then have the, like, who, who moved my right. cheese conversation.
2: Exactly. I just feel like people should know that, like, when we are... Why am I saying this? Because we are serious people. So we're having this serious conversation, but I think it's important that people realize that that doesn't mean that we're, like, agreeing with the people who are attacking Rav Malamud. I think the point is that, most, that that we are, like, basically on Rav Malamud's side and defending him. That being said... I think that 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 again, aside from the screeds that are just attacking him, no, and as Johnny said, I'll tell you honestly, I felt it. I felt, it, I felt it wasn't interesting.
0: I felt like
2: I agree. I, I'm know. just saying. So we should be clear yeah, that okay. we're not. We're the fact, the fact that we're picking apart this question and kind of using Rav Malamut as a springboard for this. Really, I agree with you. Interesting question. I think we just need to frame it that, like, let's put it on the table. That obviously we are Rav Malam, We are on Rav Malamut's side in the in the you know kind of larger um you know, sociological thing that's happening. but as to your does that right, you hear what I'm saying? Yeah, That's I
0: mean, I th- you want to say it out loud? I think that what they did to him is is despicable and despicable. If you guys want to disagree, you can. No, no, no. It's not the way you treated I, I, them. No, I think, <laughs> we agree. I think we all I, I, agree. I, thought, and like, I think we also agree. Why is the only like listeners yeah, yeah, yeah. know but, us already? But, like but we're we all in his be side. So, like, but,
2: and, if, and now we're gonna have this conversation about like picking apart, you know, which I think is. A, I agree. This is a fascinating conversation. So now let's get to it. But I just feel okay, like,
0: go ahead. Let's, fine. Let's start. Maybe saying... right. Maybe we should have like people are gonna be like listening to the first twenty minutes and say listen to twenty minutes. They didn't say anything about it. I couldn't listen anymore
2: <laughs> okay. We, okay but the point is because I think we all think that that most of the attacks of Rav Malamid are political but that it opens up a very interesting In-Yeni question which I think Johnny articulated correctly which I think Rav Malamid's gisha I think it's very right I like the way Ali Fisher described it um, is that he basically looks for certain ekronot and kavim and halacha then he thinks they're right then he paskins like them. I think it's also true. This critique. I think there, again, I don't. I can't say that I've read penei halacha the way Johnny's read penei halacha. But I think that there's a, 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 a degree of legitimacy in saying that when Rav, Rav Malamed also says it, like this is the Halakha, and I can understand people saying like, wait, wait, you left out some nuance. You left out a little bit of nuance, or like. You know, like you left out a spectrum of machloket around certain issues. And I I also do think it's true that there, there does seem to be a feeling that that's happening more and more Asur or if Muhammad is past getting more, which is again, maybe he's right as he's getting older and he's getting he's he's he's, he, he's kind of speaking out more and more, and he's give, putting up more and more content. and he's getting to more to, to areas of halacha that maybe there are I- 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 issues like this, that he's going to do this because this is who he is, and this is his style. but to to note that, I think is appropriate. and I think it's it's valuable from from my perspective to to your point, Ruby, which is like when we think about how halacha works, right? And like, um, how we should be relating to halacha, and how the—I I don't mean this in a derogatory way—with the masses, right? The, the, the you know, the the, the 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 lay person, right? The balabas, right? Or you know, or whatever the the balabusta. Let's add women, right? Relate to halacha. I think that these things actually are important, right? And the questions that you're raising are important. So so the way I, I very much liked the way um, Ellie Fisher framed it because he's actually close to both Rav Asher Weiss and Rav Malamin. And he basically contrasted them. And what he showed was, mm-hmm. on a specific issue, the issue was like, do we leave egalitarian space for people at the hotel? And Usher Weiss, basically, they both came to the same, they both wanted to tell people the same thing, which was, please leave the... Um, Leave that space alone and stop harassing Jews who, who practice halacha differently than you. But how did Rav ash do it? Rav ash did it in a way that was very halachically, um, I would say, mitucham, like, like um, it's the, how do you say that in English? Like, uh, clever, right? He basically said, it's usher for you to daven in that area because it's, it's not an orthodox space, right? So it's usher for you to daven in that area, right? But really, what was he saying? Leave them alone, right? That's basically what he was saying. And, and what Ellie Fisher says... Yes, but his, he might
0: have been saying it in such a clever way that nobody heard his point.
2: Okay, except that what Ellie Fisher said to Rav Malamud, do you understand what Rav Usher Weiss is doing? And Rav Malamud said, I understand exactly what he's doing. Right? I understand exactly what he's doing. I understand why he's doing Correct, it. Correct, but Rav so, Usher
0: Weiss is doing it to avoid getting criticized That's one of his
2: reasons. But okay, and, and Rav Malamud said, that's With- not my way. Right? My way is I see in Ikaron and I say it. Right? Now again, you could forget about that specific issue because you're right. It could also be because Rav Asher Rice is being very careful because of his his um, clientele or whatever you want to call it, his audience and he doesn't want to get... But I think your point... He, he doesn't about, want to have
0: Pashkevilian written about him.
2: Exactly. But your point is also true which is that like it's always been true in Halacha that like it's like you said, that, that there is that like we don't always say everything we believe out loud to everybody. There has always been this kind of distinction between halacha that, that you that you pass in for individuals and halacha that you will say. Right. Everybody knows that certainly about Rav Lichnstein. There were always areas of halacha that everybody knew he will never say it in public. He will certainly never write it down. But if you go to him and individually ask him for a psaq, you'll get you'll get certain hatarim that he would never say out loud. Right now. So the argument is, wh- what do we think of that, right? And I think in today's world, there's, as you said, like we're in this like internet de- democratization age. We're like, that's ridiculous. Why would you do that? Autonomy, individual autonomy. And so I do want to put a plug in for the like again the, that that it's like what Johnny said the the. Um, the actual pamphlet called Mesorah da Halakha is not really about Masorah da Halakha. But the issue of Mesorah al Halakha is a real issue. And I think that there is value to understanding that, that that's how halakha has worked for generations. That there has been that nuance and there has been that discretion given to rabbis um, to kind of have, um, have that ability to judge individually. And also, I think it also makes a statement about certain halakhic areas. If like everybody knows that like the is never going to be matched this in public, but if you go to him in private and get a hetzer it also kind of gives you a sense of the seriousness of that halacha and how it's it is a big deal to be given a hetzer and when you sort of kind of blanket just like let everybody know that it's butter or whatever you do lose a the nuance of halacha right you you, you lose a little bit of and you, you also lose i think a certain kind of serious mindedness about the complexity of halacha and, and maybe the sometimes the no of halacha, right? And like the, the gravity of the like, if I'm going to give you a hetzer, that's fine, but understand that that's not just because it's so easy to give you a hetzer. It's because we give heterim, but like there is another piece here. And I think that like, so to me, like, I think that, that like we shouldn't lose. And, and again, I I, I I think also like when I think the like, oh, so do I agree or disagree with what Rav Malamed is doing? My answer is, I'm glad there's a Rav Malamed. I'm glad there is, there's a Rav Asher Weiss, right? I'm glad that there are different, it makes me think of, of, of like, in um, Rupture and Reconstruction, when Chaim Soloveitchik talks about the, um, the and the Rosh Yeshiva, right, which is a different kind of nuanced distinction, right? But, like, the Rosh Yeshiva, uh, the poset gives you Pesach and he tells you what to do. And the Rosh Hashiva is free to therefore give you 16,000 different approaches, you know, and a million different, you know, like, gisho to the same issue and like f- kind of float in the web of, of, of the Talmudic world without having to come down into the nitty gritty of reality. And those are two beautiful aspects of Halachic experience, right? So what I'm saying is there's a, ver- there's a richness to the Halachic experience. And so I think what, what, what Rav Malamed is doing is something that I really value and appreciate. That idea of like, he sees Ekronot and then he paskins like his Ekronot. Like, that's, a, that's like a model of halachic, um, you know, uh, um, I'd say a halachic personality. We should have those, right? Those are amazing. However, the critique from the people who are in Yani, right? The people who are serious, who say, like, just notice what Rev. Malamed is doing, right? Just notice. That like maybe not a, every ikaron is like accepted on everybody that he's basing himself on. And notice that he might be alighting certain peskei l'akha. Be aware of that. And so if you want to become a really educated halachic person, you should just be aware that there is more complexity. I think that's valuable too. So that that's kind of how, does that answer the question? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I want to
0: respond to a couple of things that both of you have said. Um, so the, the first thing, I think, Johnny, in addition to what you said that like the, 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 the series changed over time. When he first wrote it, and when it was written in the newspaper, it was like a summary of general rules of X, Y, or Z. Meaning, like, how do you have to benching? And but it doesn't really. If you look back, very often it doesn't go into the nitty gritty and get into very, very many specific questions because that's what it was. It was like a general guide, and if you had a specific question, then you would, you know, look at, look into it deeper. Like the very nature of the way that it's written as a sort of a chibor and a summary of the general halachot that, you know, makes it have to be short and brief and, and doesn't allow you to get into, like, you know, great, great debates and the nuances of great debates. But I think there's a sense that, that he's getting into, like, as, as, as time goes along and the more sensitive issues, he gets into more nitty-gritty things that are more controversial, you know, without really giving it the, without having the ability to give it the weight that it really deserves. You know, like these are, these are things like these are issues that people write books about and write essays about and huge debates. And if you, if you, if if you have to boil it down to like a paragraph, that's very hard to do. That's number one. Number two, I think the, the issue itself is about whether things should be have, like you should have rules and then do derive, derive like laws from the rules and from your principles. I would love for that to be true. But any student of halacha knows also that the halachic process can be messy, and it can be a and is often uh, a self-contradictory system of rules within a specific within a specific halacha, because it developed from different communities and different places, and it's the amalgamation of different perspectives. So while Rav idea and ideal is wonderful to be true, it's only true according to a specific perspective. But it's certainly not true if you look at the Shulchan Aruch and it's certainly not true if you try to combine the Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah. It's, it's definitely not true because they're running with different assumptions, coming from different communities, coming from different needs. And anyone who learns halakha seriously understands that. So to, to say, well, these are my principles and based on which I'm going to paskin, like, like you said before, yes, you can paskin. But don't, don't represent that as normative halakha because normative halakha is transmitted and affected by generations and generations of poskim. Number two. Number three, I think doing what Malam is doing, while I understand why he's doing it, I think we are forgetting that... Mali, I never thought about what you were saying, like really interesting, like the power of the no and like saving things for, you know, for the, for the question. I think that's absolutely true. But I also think that there's a power of leaving something Balpet. Because as soon as you write it down then you're sort of locking things in, in a certain place. And so therefore, anyone coming is saying, well, if says X, and when Rehlamet says X, then who is a Rav to either argue with it or to give sometimes a more lenient psaq or give a different perspective? And I think that we sort of, yes, in the internet age, there still is an element of terashabalpeh that's important and that I think is lost when you think you can write everything down. And the final thing I'll say is something that we're, we're discovering now. And that is when everything is available on the internet and literally everything's available on the internet, the wealth of information creates a dearth of information. Yes, everything is out there. And you can find the shoot in the proyekta shoot that says basically anything you want within the halachic spectrum. But that doesn't mean that you know what to do. That doesn't mean you know how to pass it. You know, it's almost like, I heard like a for like health issues, like all the websites now say like, if you're not feeling well, go to a doctor, because while you can search on the internet, like you're not, you're gonna find like 82 symptoms, and you're gonna like find eight thousand things that could be wrong with you. But we don't know. Like we're just, you know, sharing information. I think we're we have we have to understand that that we, we still need to remember that there's room for expertise, and I think some of the blowback from these rabbanim is like, no, a is wonderful if you want to review with your children or your family at the Shabbat table. But it's not a psak, it's not a book of psak. It's not a book of deep psak. It's a book of, you know, what what bracha do I make on, you know, on checks or whatever. Right, and that's it is. why
2: it's difficult when Rav Malama comes out with something that somebody who's knowledgeable actually realizes, oh, this is actually Rav Malaman's Psak, which is fine. But but Correct. exactly what you're saying. Correct. But if it's that's in this exactly. book, it's, it's confusing uh, it, it, or it's, so, or, it's it, yeah.
0: Having a book like this is great. It would be even better if it said. Oh, and and for more information, you know, like th- these questions require shailah right, or
2: zeshi tati, or something like that. Right, it's but again, beyond I'm not it's beyond a the scope of, of he this gets book. And and I, and I,
0: I, I think that, that the idea that like like you know, I don't know if Rabbi Labi does this, I don't know him personally, but by, if we if he buys into the idea that all the information is out there anyway, it's not out there anyway, and there are there are and if it is out there anyway, there's so much out there that it's meaningless, and that's why shailah chacham is important. Johnny, you look like you want to respond.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd like to say a three perhaps not so connected things but certainly relate to what you've just said Point number one actually reminds me of an online article I read about a year, year and a half ago by a, a great Jewish organisation writing uh, halachic articles um, relevant to the contemporary person and it was about a topic that I know quite a lot about and I, I was invited to take a look at that particular essay and it it discussed a particular header, but framed it with so many disclaimers that my feeling was that anybody needed that header, if they read that essay, would never think that that's okay. Now, the thing is, when you put things in print, oftentimes you side towards a more stringent position. This isn't just a... with a r- r- uh, well isn't, isn't just this website, this is in general. I can give you numerous uh, citations of even people like Rosh Hashanah Zaman When you write, you're noite you, you, you. The problem is that we presume that, okay, well, somebody's got a particular sharia, they read something, and so they're still going to pick up a phone and ask a off and have a conversation. Now, you both know that I'm somebody who very much believes in that classic uh, halachic process. My Rav was a great Possek. I'm trying to help people who don't have a rabbi. But okay. the reality is in Israel, 50% of shuls don't have rabbis. The other 25% is part-time. A lot of people are disconnected and disaffiliated. And though it's all nice that we believe that that's what people should do, people are not doing that. And Rav Malamed is responding to those people. So somebody who reads Panina Halacha says, this is confusing, I'm going to ask my Rav, he'd say, please do so. But he's not always talking to those people. And were the certain leniencies to be couched with such disclaimers that they don't quite reach the person or person feels it's not really appropriate, then it may well be people are more Mahmur on areas that in their particular situation, they should be more makeable. That's point number one. I think that that's uh, a, a truism in terms of spirit of P'nin and the population he's talking to. Point number two, we're looking at Alacha, um, in ta- as, uh, as basically as a code. It's not a set of to T'Shubbas, and we know the difference between codes and Shilas T'Shubbas. But we also need to see it in relation to other contemporary codes. So here on my shelf... I've got the Dirshu edition of the Mishnah Barah, I've got the Piskei Tshuvas, I've got uh, Rav Mordecheli codes, right? And here's the deal, every single one of them have a certain selection of opinions that they choose to quote and a certain selection that they don't. So I'll give you an example. In the Piskei Trivus, you will not find Rav Nachum Rabinovich's rulings footnoted. You won't find Rav Chaim David Halevi's rulings footnoted. You won't find Rav Emma Cohen's rulings footnoted. That doesn't necessarily mean that Rav Rabinovich, who wrote that book, a different Rav Rabinovich, thinks that those weren't Talmidei uh, Chachamim, but he does think that they're not appropriate to be quoted in his book. That means every contemporary code is ultimately selective. So if somebody says to Rav Malamed, you're being selective, I'm not going to speak for him, but I would respond, everybody is. Are you telling me that every single set is comprehensive? Of course it's not. And by the way, I wouldn't expect it to be. Dirshu has a certain weighting towards more Lithuanian psika, right? Piske Chubas more a Hasidic psika. And so Rav Malamed has more leaning towards certain types of psika, including his own. And the fact that that emerged more strongly in recent volumes, as we say, is suggestive of a growing confidence in him. Now, he is the first to acknowledge, and he's written this, there may be certain Psaac, I'm happy to take a second look at, like every posek, Anybody who suggests otherwise would claim that he's, you know, a Balgaiva, I think that he's made that clear. The question isn't, has he perhaps got it wrong on some issues? Just to take a different example of Chaim David Levy, and on a number of occasions, people wrote to him saying, I don't necessarily agree with you, and I say, and he changed his mind, or he phrased it slightly differently, meaning every person who writes sakim like this needs to be prepared to get some uh, kickback. I think that should be the case with Rabbi Lamed. But as we see, the pushback is very different. So point number one is, you're, we're presuming that people will uh, ask, uh, rav. I don't think many people are nowadays. That's the but that's reality. Point number two, where we put his volumes needs to be understood vis-a-vis other similar types of volumes. And point number three is, in terms of the rules of writing codes, as I say, there's, there's no absolute... Uh, uh, he's writing a book um, and doing it his way. Other people say they want to write their own. I,
0: I think you're right about that. I think that probably what upsets so many people is because it's, of its incredible popularity, it has become the de facto code. It's not that he said I'm writing the code. It's that he essentially is. Yeah, Molly, you want know, to last?
2: To, yeah, okay. I just wanted to, to kind of. Agree with the two points Johnny made and say like, I think the fir- Johnny's first point is 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 the correct point, which is there's a big tension like on the wh- when I was advocating and I still do want to advocate for this idea that like there there is space for like public and private psak, right? But there's a price to that also, right? There's the, the price is like everybody knows if you ask Rav Shechter, everybody quote unquote, right? So like that means the talmidim of Rav Shechter, the people who who like are in a certain um you know, whatever the world is, circle world, they know, they know that like Rav Schechter will say X publicly, but you also, if you have this Shiloh, he's the one to go to and he'll give you the p'sak. Okay, that's, what about all the, not everybody's, right? What about all the people who don't know and therefore, as Johnny says, are, are, are just not, they're not going to avail themselves of the possibility of getting that kula or they're just going to decide I, I just forget it this is too hard for me or i hate the rabbis or, or whatever it is right meaning th- th- there there is a tension between the value of having those two levels the written and the unwritten which i i, I still think there's a tremendous value to it and I, I think it's always been part of the halakhic system and i'd like to preserve it but i think johnny's right to say there's a cost to it and a price and we have to count the cost and be aware that these two values live in tension the other thing that i think johnny said that's very true that speaks to me very deeply is I always find this interesting. People think like, and you kind of alluded to it also, Ruby, I want to learn the halacha. And I'm like, don't you realize that like, there is no the halacha, right? It's going to depend on which rav, Johnny said, which, depends on which book you to put, take down off the shelf. I'm going to say even more. It's going to depend on which rabbi teaches you the halacha. You're going to take a halacha class? It's that the whatever rav you're taking, he's going to choose which, sources to show you and he and you might be very innocently thinking just give me the bottom line give me the halacha, and you might come out with a very different sense of what the bottom line is than somebody who's learning from let's say a different hashkafic person or, or or a different you know world or, or even just a different rub, right? And I think people aren't sensitive enough to that and they need to know that. They need to be informed and understand that you can't just take a halacha class. Oh, just teach me Chol Shabbos. You have to know who's teaching you and what, what where, they, where they lean. And from that perspective, I will say that I agree with Johnny, which is like, I'm glad Rav is kind of mainstream. I understand why that also drives people crazy who find him too, you know, they don't agree with all of his stuff but I'm glad he's mainstream. I'm glad we have somebody who's such a tremendous talmud chacham that, like, you can't ignore him almost, and, like, everybody is kind of, you know, all the good, nice, from people are flocking to buy his sfarim because, he, again, he comes from a very, you know, kind of a world where he was always, um, whatever the word is, like, Put that stamp of, of tremendous but that's that goes back to what's driving them crazy now but from my perspective I'm glad. I'm glad you can't ignore of Malamed because I'm glad that his voice, which, which I happen to think is saying things that are very wise and very balanced and very halakhically sensitive. I'm glad that like you can't just push him out and say, oh, he's just one of those modern orthodox rabbis that I'm not including on my source sheet. He's Halacha. He's on everybody's. He's, he's on every single person's table. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so like that kind of makes me happy. Given the reality of the, of the complexity of how halacha is learned and taught, like, great. I'm so glad that, like, Rav Malam had snuck in there, and that also might explain why it drives the Chardal world out of their minds. All
0: right, we'll get back to that, the Chardal world out of their mind, but this has been a very, very long segment, beautiful conversation, which uh, will continue in a second. Stay with us.
1: Shalom, this is Rav Johnny Solomon, and I would like to tell you about the services that I provide to men and women around the world. Firstly, if you have a sheila, a halachic query, or a halachic topic that you would like to learn more about as it applies to your life, and you feel that you don't have a rav with whom you can discuss this question, I offer online halachic consultations. Secondly, if you have some theological or spiritual query, or if you're in need of some chizuk, I provide spiritual coaching. And lastly, If you'd like to learn about a particular Torah topic, I offer one-to-one learning. For each of these services, you can book an appointment for a small fee at my website, rabbijonniesolomon.com, which seamlessly, with the magic of Calendly, then appears in my online calendar. And within a few minutes, you'll receive a message with a Zoom link. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking with you.
0: All right, Johnny, I want to come back, but before I, I want to turn the conversation, we want to do, do, do a little pivot to the Who Moved My Cheese section. As Molly has stated so eloquently, we are against the attacks against Ramallah. Well, they were terrible. You shouldn't do that. Okay. But that being said, instead of just, you know, stating the obvious, at least to the listeners of this podcast, what I really want to try to understand is why are they so upset? And I'm going to throw something out there and I'll let you, I'll let both of you respond. I think Molly sort of, sort of hinted to it. But I think there's something, there's something deeper than that. I happen to think, yeah, if it was just the halacha issues, like, yes, it would have been upsetting to them and they would have written articles and what have you. I think it's much, much more connected to the issues of politics and power, mm-hmm. okay? Because Rabbi is, has, over the years, become much more close to the, I would say, the center, even the left side of the left side of the field. He came out in favor of the mitve Giur, which enraged people. Bonkers. We didn't even mention that. <laughs> what? And he also came out in, in like, the great year of Matan Kahana, Giyur, Matan Kahana right? Drives them out he of their met rights. with a reform rabbi. He's basically turned man Orthodox, essentially, with a very long black beard. And I think that, like halacha, yeah, okay, they like what they're doing is they're couching. Look, that pamphlet I think, Johnny, that you showed us was the prime example of what's so, what's, what's driving them so crazy because they're couching like their arguments in Halakhic language. When in reality, their argument is a political argument. So, th- so they say, listen, like, what can you do? He's a, like, he essentially is taking a political position. But, in, but what they should really do is do two things. They should say, Rabbi Lamed is a bal Halakha, and we respect him, and he's a wonderful Balakha. At the same time, he's taking political positions that we, we totally disagree with, and we're going to fight him tooth and nail about them because he's with Sohar and he's a lefty, et cetera, et cetera. Because in politics, you can, I think it's legitimate to say, I disagree with this, Rob. Whereas, but, but the meshing of the two makes it so just like, makes you want to take a shower, I, mean, I, I think. And, and it really is upsetting to me. But I think that that's what's really upsetting these people and driving the campaigns, because those campaigns cost a lot of money. And nobody spends money. Nobody puts out a pamphlet like that for a halakhic debate ever. But when it comes to campaigns and political power, people spend a lot of money. So uh, that's my thesis.
1: Okay, so I, I want to <clears throat> raise a kind of interesting thought experiment, and then I'll address your point, which is, uh, Ooh, let's like say, say I'm one of, I know, let's say I'm one of these uh, signatories who who <laughs> learned halachic works, and I by a volume that Piskei Chuvas or the latest volume of the Chuvas von Haugas of Vav Moshe and I see a ruling that I strongly disagree with. Am I going to respond this way? The answer is no. I'm probably not even going to say a thing. You know why? And by the way, some of the rulings in Chuvas von Haugas are strongly disagreeable. Because I say, well, Vav Moshe he's Haredi, he's part of the Badat, he's part of my uh, the other world. And even though I disagree with him, what's going to be the difference? You know, we're in different camps, so I'll quote him. He'll never quote me, but let's not pretend that I can influence uh, his rulings or other people. However... The the there is a premise which is and this is a to- topic that we've addressed on a number of occasions. You know, we call our podcast RZ Weekly, and I've said many many times, there's no religious Zionism. There's religious Zionisms. There's a premise. I thought you were going to say the weekly for... thing. I thought you were going to get on there like ah, that too. <laughs> um, there is a there's a premise that there is this Dati lomi camp, and. Uh, Rav Malamud is basically not towing the party line. He keeps on doing things independently. He keeps on not quite caring what other people in the camp are doing, or not quite adhering to the party line. Now, of course, we know that there are more liberal thinking uh, uh, leaders and teachers and uh, decisors. You've got Ida Pachter who just recently wrote a book uh, from Nairnev Torabah Vodai. You've got Bet Hillel. But nevertheless, yeah. of the people, one second, of the people of of this world who are signatories, they say... It's worse um, than that. It's worse than that. They moved the cheese. It's They
0: changed the line. One, one second. Smoke Church, they, they says, spe- I'm religious Zionist. I need Sionu to, to the Teet. He was never, he I, I, never I, I represented Sionu to the teeth Yeah, so, I have a
1: lot to say, but I'm going to be quiet. So <laughs> uh, they ba- <laughs> the basically change is, it and they say, you changed the, it. Like, what? Right. The basic claim is, how dare you start doing sorry. things independently, <laughs> yeah, because aren't we supposed <laughs> to march <laughs> according to the same tune? And by the way, this is part of being the problem of religious Zionism, meaning that some people think that's part of its strength. I see myself as both an insider and an outsider as being a fundamental problem, not only in terms of its political clout, but certainly in terms of its halachic uh, um prowess and legitimacy, because every Possek needs to be able to relate to the issues at hand independently. This whole issue, by the way, about the Rabbanot is, do we have a central body that tells us how to rule, or do we empower individual batidin to make decisions themselves? We all know what the classic halachic writings say. We have all read the essays of great halachists who emphasize the importance of independence for batidin and, and, and rabbanim. When it comes down to it, though, there is great unease um, when this actually happens. And so, yeah, but that's a haredi perspective.
0: That's not a the religious uh, scientist perspective. That's a completely outlandish
1: view. Wait, okay. we control. F- firstly, we I, 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 I don't, I don't use these, I don't use labels. One is right and one is wrong, right? So uh, I, mean, I love the world in which you live. Label I mean. labels, those That's guys not of so nice world in you right. live. And They're I all wrong. The you know, no, say what, what they are. But the but point <laughs> is, that um, and I already. I mean, I to this about podcast. No label podcast. No, what is people? People get uneasy with independent minded poskim. And just I mentioned Moshe Feinstein. You know, in his life, there were very, very fierce and very, very bitter uh, criticisms of him. Um, but he wasn't part of a political movement. And he basically said, you know, criticize me in halakha, great. But uh, unless you can do that, I'm not interested. I think that's how Rav Malam saying. You want to Mm, say there's a psaq that you disagree with, write a contrast. I'll give it its due consideration. Absolutely, because that's what I do. But if you gather together as a movement to try and basically silence me because I'm being independent, don't be silly. My job is to be independent. But he's not being
0: independent just halachically. He's being independent politically. he is taking political stances molly
2: okay so i want to say first of all i i i I like the last thing you said johnny it's like he that's exactly right i think that's how he views himself right like he views himself as like you know i'm just going to give you my halakhic position and my perspective on the world now when it comes to this whole political issue so like I, i i would i i agree with what you said but i would say it a little different like let's be honest about what's happening in the world okay so the datilumi world i agree with you it's not one camp Right? And I think that what's happening is that so there's the Hardal world, right? But I think in recent years the I don't know what to call it. I don't like those words that you used, liberal. Because I don't consider myself liberal. I don't like the word liberal. But I definitely don't consider myself chardal right? What do I consider myself? I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't find a word for it, right? But... Then call yourself centrist. Okay, stuff. I'll call myself a centrist. You things like things. labels, so therefore
0: you are just... No, but you. I don't
2: like... I Meaning because, because I wouldn't glomp everybody who's center and left altogether because I... I, right, you not,
0: don't I'm, not go, I don't, I'm not Taraf Aouda, I'm not I'm not Exactly, I'm not
2: that I'm not. guy, I'm not sure about everybody. In this group, forget it. But the point is like... I'm Rav
0: by the way, I go with Rav Malamed. Yeah, he it's
2: like I say, Rav you know, like <laughs> Rav I'll go with all the Tzohar guys and all the Al guys and all the, you know, um, uh, Orin Devani Kashrut guys. That's not brilliant. all of them. Not all way. of them, I'm just saying those <laughs> movements, the people who are brave enough to take that type of a stance, right? That's kind of where I'll find myself. But the point is that that's the point, is that is that, and, and, and a lot of people that I respect are not comfortable with that because there's been this hegemony. first of all, there's a Khardal world. And then I'd say moving, if we're going to go in, with these, you know, quote unquote labels, sort of left of Khardal, there's the dati le'umi who wouldn't consider themselves Khardal, but they can't bring themselves to criticize the Rabbanut, right? Because we can't criticize the Rabbanut, right? But there's, there are voices that are coming out now that are like becoming empowered to say things that we never said before. Right. And mm-hmm. Rav Malamed is one of those 100%. voices. Right. And and again, that's those are people like Matan Kahana, who we discussed. And so leaving aside like what the people who are like not hardal, but not yet comfortable criticizing the rabbi no are also having their issues. The attack on Rav Malamed is coming from the Khardal world and it drives them crazy and I think Johnny's right. It's because he's a guy they can't ignore. He's their guy. You know what I'm saying? If, if if you know, somebody from the Dati Lumi world comes out and says something, if Rav, Rav Stav comes out and says something, what do they care? He's Rav Stav. We always knew those, you know, Dati Lumi people were all... A- you know, whatever. And and so we don't take them seriously. But Rav Malamud is them. He's from their world and, and and it drives them bonkers. I also agree with Ruby, I think it was you who said this, that like the tactic is stupid. I mean, stupid is not a nice word. The tactic is ill-advised or, or unimpressive. Like if they would have true like... Um, like, I would be more impressed with them if they did what you just said, which is to say, Rav Malamed, we respect you tremendously as a Talmud Chacham, but you're going off the rails now when it comes to Hashkafa, and we disagree with you. I think they'd also get farther that way. I think they would, a lot more people would agree with them. Doing this thing, which we see, we just do, and again, Johnny's not into labels, so I won't say, but this is a phenomenon that we see in, in I'd say, more right-wing worlds, where you just passle everything, big old X on everything, now you're just... You know, you see, it's
0: interesting I don't live in the Haredi world but that that apparently is like the Pashkavil world you know that's what I'm saying, saying. Like, that's the Haredi like approach in their newspapers and their like whatever like you, you are now puzzled completely
2: line. I'm not going to go into nuance and I'm not going to say here I think you're this and here you're just you're out of the camp you're just and, and we're going to attack you on everything even though it's it's, it's really disingenuous right so, I, I, so It's that, interesting. I, I yeah. agree
0: with you I think I think that it backfired on them. I think, like, Rabbi Lamed is it's fascinating. <laughs> the, the, har Yeshiva, I did a campaign, a, 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 a GoFundMe campaign, following this whole attack, but it wasn't for money. They wanted, they got people to, to yes, commit to, learn, to learning this. is very it was yeah. a brilliant. It was like you great. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes being banned is the best thing that can ever happen to you because people start to say, "Oh, yeah. I, I I didn't finish my set. I got to buy my books." You know, just to, just I have to, to say, supporting. I think
2: what what what's coming out here is like one of the reasons we we I think we all admire of Muhammad is not just for his scholarship and his wisdom and really a lot of tremendously like like he, he's he's really he's a great man, but his bravery like in in, in today's world, to be that brave and to say, I'm going to say what I believe, not just in in halacha, but I'm going to take stances. I'm living in in the real world. You can call it politics. You can call it like, you know, like psak halacha. That's what psak halacha is. Where's the intersection of halacha and the real world? And in this Jewish state, that's going to affect you know
0: right. I think he to be doesn't broader. think he's being be political I think he thinks I'm he just, giving exactly, my yeah. stock if about you guys are doing,
2: an issue i'm again his, the reform is complex but I'm just saying if if, if if there are areas that we need to reform and or change I won't use the word reform <laughs> don't use that whatever. word <laughs> we need to change and I think that certain things are mutter and we should be doing more of them he's going to say that and that's brave and, and like that to me is like something that we should all admire because there's there's not a lot of that in the world
0: okay Johnny you want to finish up yeah
1: well, I do
2: want to go back to the first point
1: that was pretty much the first point in all these in uh, which is uh, his meeting. He's meeting in the Mekor Rishon conference because it's it's essential to reiterate what he said in many many articles since then, which is do you, do you even for a second believe that me having a conversation with somebody means that somehow I, I I've changed ideologically. He says, I believe that we're a family uh, called the Jewish people. And the Jewish people uh, have numerous uh, challenges. And a conversation sometimes can be a positive thing. And it's important to know that the attack and the reiterated attack on him having this meeting is stems from a fear of dialogue. And now, especially where we are in terms of modern state of Israel, and there's constantly this conversation about Uh, the relationship between the Diaspora in Israel and non-Orthodox and Orthodox. And we as religious Zionists, I think we're quite clear about, broadly speaking, where we want the state to be. But that shouldn't negate the possibility of having conversations. Uh, And talking helps. It doesn't legitimize everything, but it helps build bridges. And especially, as we know in in recent years, there's been some tragedies. There's been shootings, right, If you can't talk to those Jews because of the synagogue they're going to, or if you choose to not be able to do so, that actually uh, marginalizes you so much from the present and the future of the Jewish people. I'm saddened by that stance, not because I'm a liberal, but because I believe we should be able to talk to all Jews without... Automatically throwing onto such people the claim uh, and the malicious claim that that is legitimizing a whole theology and a, a whole different way of living, which is absurd. Uh, um, we can and, agree on uh, that. Drawing that distinction. Yeah, is yeah, important. but uh, 100%. Um, all right, let's go
0: on to our last, uh, our last section, our Hamlatza section. Uh, Johnny or Molly, did you have a Molly, Did you figure one out in between or you don't have one? Johnny's got one, he's going to get it. I'll, I'll start with my Hamlatza. My Hamlatzah is the Kalman Lieberman radio program that I listen to Sundays through Wednesdays, which I really quite enjoy. It's like on reshabet in the morning. But I, I want to particularly highlight what's really fascinating with the war going on in Ukraine. And, and we should definitely pray not only for the Jewish people in the Ukraine, but for all of the like, innocent people in this unbelievably uh, frustrating um, war that nobody can understand what's going on. But what's amazing about, I think, like they talk about Israel as being in a unique position in the world because Israel is, is literally an ally of both countries or has good relations with both Ukraine and Russia, which is unique for like among the nations of the world. But what's also fascinating is Israel has like direct ties with citizens and Jews in the Ukraine. So like on the radio in the morning, you're literally talking to people. It's not being translated by someone into another language or somebody who doesn't speak like Ukrainian and in English and hearing it through the ears of a reporter. You're hearing Ukrainians or Jews who are in Ukraine, who have been there for years, like telling their experiences and sharing it from, from firsthand. And I think that's something that like, it's just fascinating to listen to, to hear their perspective and the challenges that they're facing and the Chabad sheliach there dealing with the orphans and the, you know, the woman in the city and her defiance against the Russians. You know, I just find it fascinating to listen to. It's almost like listening to it unfiltered in a way that I don't think you can do in the Western press. And I, I found that just, just fascinating. Johnny, what do you
1: got? Okay, I wasn't I didn't realize you were gonna speak about what is a very frightening war taking place. And I know all three of us have uh have offered our thoughts and prayers uh towards the people of the Ukraine. It's something completely different. Um uh, some many years ago a friend of mine gave me a copy of uh Michael J. Fox's autobiography called Lucky Man. Uh now it's actually a very remarkable book because it describes him discovering that he has Parkinson's disease. And it really offers a unique uh, and positive perspective over a devastating diagnosis. And I've referred to it on a number of occasions um, because I think there are ideas, he says there, that can help a lot of people who are often confronting uh, difficult uh, uh, scenarios. I've done that even recently in in one of my uh, uh, coaching sessions. I recently read that he'd published actually a couple of other books, but I just got in the post today and I haven't yet read it, but I'm just mentioning it any which way, a book titled No Time Like the Future, An Optimist Considers Mortality. Um, And I I suppose the reason I'm mentioning this, even though I can't actually tell you about the book because I haven't yet read it, but I've read enough reviews, is that hearing from somebody who is dealing with really tough stuff and hearing them wrestle with that Uh, and find ways to see the light and yet not deny the darkness is an important thing. Oftentimes in books, especially from a Jewish perspective, we try and say, Gamzula Tova, everything's for the good. Somebody recently mentioned that to me on the phone. I said, you don't need to be a Gamzula Tova person. That's not an obligation. Sometimes life isn't great. And and acknowledging that uh, and then figuring out what you do with that is important. So I'm mentioning that just as uh, something that I'm hopefully going to be cracking open uh, later on tonight. Because uh, there are a lot of people dealing with difficulties, and uh, yes, there's chokma in the world that we too must pursue and explore. Amen. Amen. I was going
2: to say one thing, which is, i never thought that it would be Johnny who would be bringing Michael J. Fox into the conversation. Oh. Um, <laughs> as the, I consider myself the pop culture expert in this in this little group. Um, I definitely know a lot about Michael J. Fox, dating back to the, you know eighth grade and Back to the Future and Family Ties. So if anybody wants some more information on Michael J. Fox, besides these amazing, I agree. I think he's a very inspiring person. Um, but I'm just saying, like, if you want the pop culture, come to me. Just have to <laughs> That'll that be it. the next podcast.
0: All right. I want to thank yeah. Molly and Johnny for, the, for, for uh, speaking with me. Thanks very much. We enjoyed it. very. I uh, hope you enjoyed our podcast. If you do, share it with others or rate it on the Apple Tunes podcasty thing, whatever it's called, Apple Podcast Store. Everybody finds their podcast on Spotify now anyway. Um, this is RZ Weekly. I want to thank my son, Tattachia, for writing our music. And as always, we'd love to hear your comments. People you send it to us directly or via Facebook, and we always try to answer as soon as we can. Have a great week, everybody. Bye now.